Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fastest known podcast for the FKT of the year results. Um, here to kick it off with me is my co-host, or the the host himself, Buzz. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Hillary. It is the sixth annual fastest known time of the year award, and here's how it's going to work. We tend to do it like this: we start off. In reverse order, we go with the number five and the number four winners, female and male. We always start with female first. And then next week, we'll release on January 21th, the number two and the number three FKT of the Year Award winners. And then three weeks from today, on January 28th, we release the number one winners. And it's a fun little countdown. And we have two, not one, but two people on the line right now who just heard what I said for the first time. So who we got here, Hillary? Yeah, so it's my pleasure to introduce the voted fifth FKT of the year on the women's side to Addie Bracey and Corey Connor for their Unsupported Grand Canyon Rim to Rim to Rim uh, FKT. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Excited to be here for sure. Well, good. Are you, Are you excited your you... yet for 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 the news? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I didn't. Ad was the one who told me she's like, I think we might be like top ten for you know FKTs, and I was like, what? <laughs> You're kidding. Um, so now I'm super pumped about it. Very stoked. It was fun to kind of like relive it together too. Once we heard and we we're like, yeah, I remember when this happened, and oh my god, I threw up for so long. <laughs> Yeah. Good call. Yeah, because that was back in May. Yes. yes. Right. So yeah. We did this in May. So now we're going to talk about it all over again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did the Rim to Rim to Rim, of course, is fabled. It's known all over the world. And it means South Rim almost always. South Rim to North Rim and then back to the South Rim. You could do it the other way, actually. But it's almost always done in this direction. And it's one of our premier routes because so many people get after it. It's very competitive. And so to get an FKT on this is tough work. You know, we like some boldness sometimes, some creativity, some adventure. But this one, you got to be fit. You got to be fast. You got to go hard. That's because everyone else already has done that. Am I correct in saying that? Are you two like just really good, accomplished athletes? Fill us in. What is your perspective on this FKT? Um, I think we both have different perspectives on it. So like for me, it was the longest run I had ever done by um, like almost 15 miles. And then the longest I'd ever been on my feet by over like three hours. I'd only done 150K before. So it wasn't actually something I thought I could do. <laughs> like I had that in the back of my mind, but we put in such a really massive training block leading up to that. And I was doing runs that I had never done before. And I just felt like a totally different athlete. Um, and I don't know if it's just because it came like in the midst of like the toughest year personally of my life. So like running was such an escape at that, you know, time. So yeah, I was like, I don't know if I can do this honestly Ad. And so we had this kind of, uh, because Ad was training for Western States. So this was kind of like a, I don't know, a fun like build up like effort for her. Um, so we kind of had this uh, deal that should one of us drop, which was me. I mean, <laughs> like it's going to be me. Um, that, you know, the other would just push on and like get the FKT and 
like hopefully send rescue to the bottom or something, you know? Um, and that was just in the back of my mind. So I was like, yeah, I can't wait to get dropped at some point from this. Cause we had gone out like in November before, uh, to like do some recon on it. And I, I just blew up. Like I made it like five miles down, like the, the, um, South Rim. And then I was like, yeah, I need to hike back out. Cause this is way too hard. Um, so yeah. So for me, it was like this, like crazy performance that I didn't know I could do. So it was really, really cool. But for Ad, it was just like, she's, she's Ad. It was like, <laughs> well, you make no it, she made it sound like we were planning this for a long time. We weren't, we, we planned to do it the week before we went. Um, so what we were training hard, but we weren't training for this. Um, but to your point, I think it's what I like about the FKT is it's such a, such a mixture. Like you have to be a pretty solid downhill runner. Obviously the descents are pretty serious. You have to be a pretty solid climber cause the climbs are crazy, but then there's that middle section down in the bottom where if you have some speed, which I think Corey and I both do, um, you know, there's a lot of miles where it's a, maybe a gradual uphill or a gradual downhill, but it's pretty flat. So um, I think the thing that we had going for us is that we have di- different strengths. And so each of us was able to kind of take the lead at different points when maybe the other person was struggling. Um, and it, it was just one of those days where it balanced out well, well, where she was feeling good on the points that she's good at. And I was feeling good on the points where I was good at. And both of us had lows when the other one had a high and um, it just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that would be my question is, uh, you- Doing an FKT, running an ultra by yourself is hard enough. And I think adding another person in the mix where, you know, it is kind of a, you know, a a risk because you could both have low moments at the same time. But I think there's a real, um, you know, positive to it as well. We we saw a couple, um, you know, nominations on the, on the list with, there was like a team effort, right? So I think it can add some interesting aspects. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. What was your favorite part about doing it as a, as a team FKT? Um, I think for me, it definitely was just like experiencing that with somebody else. Um, it was so incredible. I mean, the Grand Canyon is incredible. So, um, you know, I was scared, like scared out of my mind. Like I, I really was like, my teeth were chattering, like when we started and Ad was like, okay, I'll lead us down the first descent. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) like, of course you will. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, and yeah, just to be able to like share that with her and be like, Hey, I am so scared. And, uh, my legs feel like trash and we've only gone like, you know, five miles and I don't know if I can do this just to be able to like verbalize that to my best friend, you know, I've known Anne for eight years. So that helped me so much mentally. And Ad has always had like more confidence in me than I have in myself. So she was just like, you have this, like you can do this. Um, so for me, it was like experiencing that and then having Ad as like in my corner, like when I'm not even in my corner, so to speak. And it's, it's rare that you're doing something hard alongside someone else when you're not racing them. Like in most times I'm doing, I still enjoy that part. It still does feel like you're suffering together, but it's not, there's not many circumstances where you could both have the goal. (laughs) And so we have, when we kind of realized not only we were going to get the record, but that we both were feeling good enough to get it together. Like that's really special to, to be able to spend, like share that with someone else, especially this, because you finish and no one knows what you just did. So we were like falling on the ground by the sign and these tourists are just walking by. So it was at least nice for us to like high five and be like, we did it. (laughs) Now I I guess we'll just leave. I think people were very concerned. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, what, uh, what happened? What did you do? Um, But yeah, it was just like, wow, that's interesting. You did the run of your lifetime. Sorry. 
you did the run of your lifetime. And Corey, this is interesting. So you stretched up in a way, uh, Addy went down. I mean, I was training for states. This is your longest run by three hours. You guys sort of met in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah, she, so what, what had happened was Corey just, she just loves to run and she didn't have any races on the calendar, but had just somehow fallen and she had, was in between jobs, had some free time and was just doing my training with me. And I was kind of trying to shop around for something to do before Western States and was like, maybe I'll go back to the Grand Canyon. I'd done uh, an attempt at the supported record in November. Um, and she said she would come pace me. And then I was like, well, not only have you done all my training, but you've been like crushing me on the long runs. Like she was fitter than I was. Um, so we decided like, let's just go do it together. And as much as she was worried about herself being like, maybe the one that would struggle at the end, like she, not literally, but pulled me out of the canyon. Like she was the strength of the team <laughs> that day, which people would never know that, but I was the one that was struggling. So, um, you know, it, it was funny how that turned, how that turned out. Cause she was the one that kind of like carried the team the last two hours. Yeah. I, I can only like attribute that to me at the beginning, just being so scared that I was like, overdoing all the fluids all the gels like I think I stopped us to pee like five times before we hit like Phantom Ranch and Ab is like okay you need to chill like show we some urgency yeah we're we like can't be taking bathroom you know breaks. we cannot take five like potty breaks before we climb out <clears> the north room so I was just like doing a really good job of like front loading everything so when we hit the last climb I felt like a million bucks I was like oh my god we're gonna do like 745 but then yeah we hit the mule train and add like had a, a major blowout so we were like "Ooh, are we gonna make it out of here more like that but <laughs> yeah it was really really interesting to like see it play out like that but I think the reason why we ran so fast was because Ad, she just like has this way of clicking into a gear that's like the perfect gear. Like, I don't think we weren't like pushing, but we weren't chilling the whole time. And it just felt like natural. Like I never was worried that I was like reaching outside of like my abilities. And it wasn't until, yeah, that last climb where it really got hard. And then I was like, okay, this is why this is such a hard, hard run. <laughs> What's one thing? Who said this? I forgot who said it. He said, "Runs never get easier; they just get faster." Mm-hmm. Is that the same thing? And anyone is doing rim to rim to rim. I mean, you got to slog five thousand vert to finish that puppy off. Normally, when you're at the end of your rope, you're running downhill, putting one foot in front of the other, but then on the big ditch. Uh, uh-uh. uh, you got to go uphill to finish that puppy off. Yeah. 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 And it, I mean, there's, I've done it twice now and there's just like no preparing mentally for that climb out. It's just brutal. But, um, I don't know. We felt so good on the middle portion. Like we, we went out conservative and as we were coming back, I had like made some checkpoints at like Cottonwood and Phantom Ranch and we were getting faster. Somehow we, um, we're, ga- we're gaining time with every like five or six miles. And yeah, we were on pace to run, 750 or so and then uh got got behind a mule train for like quite a while and then yeah the infamous bonk at the top but um no it was a it was a really good effort out there yeah yeah man i i mean i just i've gone to the grand canyon a couple times and i think that this is why this this is such an iconic route um going to the Grand Canyon for the first time to try the rim trim to rim for myself. Um, you know, I kind of understand, uh, just how difficult of a run this is, but I think what makes this just so impressive to me. And I think why it was voted in the top five is just because, you know, it's, it's a route that so many people have thrown down a really hard time on. And I think, 
just having talked to, I know Buzz several times, but also like Rob Crar, who lives in Flagstaff, and he's been down in the canyon so many times. It's like, a, it's like, it, it, you can have such a different day, even though you're so fit, you can have such a different day, depending on the day that you go down, decide to go down in the canyon. Like Rob has told me he's felt super fit. And then he goes down in the canyon and just has this epic blowout. So I think it's, it's so cool that you added another risk and like, you know, kind of room for error in the mix by having choosing to do it with someone else. And then it's so cool that it, that it worked out the way it did. So, um, yeah, I was really happy to see this FKT in the top five. Yeah. 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 Thanks. It's, it's like really funny, like thinking about it too, because it, it was so casual, not in like our effort, like we worked our, our, you know, butts off, but the way we like logistically thought about it and we're like, Hey, let's just like head there this week. And it, it was a week we shouldn't have gone. Like you had gone home for a wedding and like drank your face off. And I had just gotten my like COVID vaccine. So I just felt like trash. And I was like, I remember on the flight to Flagstaff, we just looked at each other. We we're like, yeah, so we could have picked a different week. Like, well, and it no. was, it had been very cool. And we just were like, we're just going to do it on Thursday, whatever day it was. And it was the one day that it was going to be in the, like 90. And so we're like, oh, well, we'll just start at 2.30 in the morning. and But then we're like Googling how long our head, we only brought one headlamp each. We're like Googling how long our battery lasts. So it's like two and a half hours max. And we're like, okay, sunrise is at five o'clock. Like, there was just so much room for air yeah. that, that it was like kind of amazing. And, and I think um, the water on the, um, on the North Rim, we weren't sure it was on. We had heard a rumor that it was, but we didn't know for sure. And it was. And so there was just so many things that we were like, meh, we'll just see what happens. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that was like the most fun part was just things fell into place and they could have easily gone the other direction. Yeah. Well, I think that maybe like this adds to, I think people have something to learn from this. So Addie, I've read your book and I think, you know, it talks, she, she, I have it actually sitting over here, mental training for uh, an ultra running. Um, and, uh, I think you talk about kind of like letting off the pressure or kind of when expectations are not necessarily low, I don't think that's the right word, but you, you, you give yourself permission to fail. Mm -hmm. Like there's a possibility for failure and you kind of accept it, but you're not afraid to try anyways. And I think that's when you can have these breakthrough, breakthrough performances. So when there's this kind of like nonchalantness of like, well, it's not an ideal week, but I'm still going to give it a go anyways. I'm still going to give it my best. I think that's you know, people can learn from that. And that's what I love about FKTs because it's like where the magic happens, right? Um, and I think, you know, if just if you're strapping on a race bib, you put too much pressure on yourself. It's like, yeah, if you don't let that happen, then you can achieve some really cool things. So <laughs> just my two well, cents. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, again, teasing this out a little bit, I appreciate that. I you went, you achieved a lot. You went in, as you say, somewhat casual, but in a way that's because you're, you're really good at this. You, you know what I mean? So I just have to sort of explain it to listeners because in all due respect to a Grand Canyon Rangers who just scrape people off the trail three times a day. Yeah. I've seen people walking down there wearing high heels. Yeah. Absolutely. I've seen people <laughs> wearing dresses. I've seen people down at the bottom carrying like this eight ounce bottle of water underneath their finger. And so for listeners, we have to note that casual mm -hmm. to Eddie Bracey and Corey Connor means something very different <laughs> than you might think. It doesn't mean unprepared. We yeah. we had extra water bottles, yeah. filters, like we weren't unprepared. We were just casual in terms of, yeah, we were we were okay if we failed, I guess, but not casual in preparation and safety for sure. We had, we had an in-reach. Yeah, we definitely were covering our bases. Yeah. 
Ah, you had the PLB and inReach. Mm-hmm. And we also note that you started at 2.30 in the morning. You finished at 10.41 a.m. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So again, note to listeners, they avoided the hot part of the day. They got their headlamp running in, and then they you know went up the north side, which faces south, early in the morning, actually almost at night at first. So you, uh, again, this was well planned. This is well thought out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll say that that's what it was. Yeah. Um, I think it was just, I mean, we, <laughs> I will say, like Corey said, we were there in November for the first time and I, I immediately recognized how dangerous it could be. So um, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we would have like done it that way a second time running, descending in the dark is not oh, very fun. It so <laughs> it's hard. high consequence. Yeah. Um, I, we didn't love that part. That's mm-hmm. not something we would have chosen, but yes, knowing how serious it can get down there and knowing how hot it can get and knowing that even elite level athletes, like, like Corey said, when we were there reconning, like she was in a bad place. Yeah. And so we didn't take it lightly that um, anything we can do to stay out of the heat is worth it. Even if that's yeah, being in the dark for a few hours. Excellent. Well, thank you for clarifying that. It's so funny that we're having these conversations and <laughs> there's a certain theme here because elite athletes tend to talk fairly ho-hum, you know, because this is your life. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. And so we always have to interpret it to other people listening to understand what's really going on behind here. You two are really good at what you do. You planned this. You executed it perfectly. I really liked what Corey said. So uh, here's a little tip, a little training tip. You know, be just scared out of your mind so your teeth are chattering and just horse down the food and water. That'll end up in a good result, you know. So uh, we appreciate the training tip, uh, the racy tip there. For yeah, me. absolutely. Yeah, I we had like mashed potato bags and stuff like in our packs. And I remember specifically like gnawing like a corner off and like trying to get mashed potatoes down and like I got everything down when we finished I looked at the bag and I'd eaten like half of the plastic bag and I was like what like what? why <laughs> but I was just so scared I was like gotta get it in I gotta get it in but yeah you're right I mean I think just being so nervous made me like overcompensate and crush you know the fluids and nutrition so respect like respect the yes team. yeah Okay. Well, congratulations, you two. It was really fun. And to all the listeners, be sure to click either in the written show notes or on the website in the articles. You can read their trip report and you can see more really fun photos of uh, Addie and Corey in the Grand Canyon. Thank you, two. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Wow. Super classic routes. One of the classic routes, a premier route, rim to rim to rim. And these ladies got it done, didn't they? What do you think of that one, Hillary? I think it's interesting. I really do like, I mean, it's, you know, it's unsupported. The time was really fast, uh, even to compare it to the supported time. But I think it adds an extra twist when you do it with someone. I mean, running an ultra marathon by yourself is hard enough, but adding another person to the mix can be <laughs> can be a challenge. But they they did it. They did it well. So, yeah, I was super pleased to see that. That's a good point because some people have theorized that it's faster to go by yourself than it is with another person. This has to be the right one. (laughs) Excellent point as always. Well, this next person went by himself. Wow. A little bit longer than uh, seven hours. This this is, uh, hmm, hmm. We're going to get in this a second, but it's sort of jaw-dropping. I'm going to choke when I announce the numbers. So who do we have next, Hillary? 
Yeah, so I'm thrilled, um, but we have to introduce the number five FKT of the year on the men's side, Pavel Shafruga. So thanks so much for being here, Pavel. You did the Colorado 14ers um, FKT, but a little twist. I think Buzz is going to tell us about that too, but welcome, Pavel. Hey, thanks for having me on. And of course, with everyone, we this is the first you've heard. You are the number five. You, the voters, not us, but the <laughs> and we did too. I should say, I should say, not just us, but the voters have given you the number five FKT of the year. So, congratulations! Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm honored. Thank you so much. So. Well, as Hillary noted, whoa! I mean, we've had the Colorado <laughs> Fourteen is kind of a classic. You know, Andrew Hamilton has done this a number of times, and we had some self-propelled which means people biked between the summits, but you one upped everyone. You hiked between the summits. This is, this is next level. So it took you 43 days, six hours, 49 minutes, but here's, here's the stats. This is 1,182 miles. Here we go. I'm going to choke on this one. 297,000 497 feet of vertical gain. That's 300,000 feet of vert. So, Pablo, help us out. How'd you do this? Or why did you do this? Uh, you know, I, I ponder why I did it still, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think, played to my strengths of, um, I don't know, I, I like, uh, I kind of like the grind. I think my body does better with it than trying to push for a shorter, faster event or challenge and um and it you know just been on my mind and seemed like a, a good test of what i had in me so well wait hold on hillary what we got to call this guy out this is classic stuff so the guy goes out there and does three hundred thousand feet of vert i say how'd that go he said yeah i guess i'm okay at it let's drill into this one a little bit more so you hiked for you know, 42 days and no support. Not like, you know, your parents weren't following you around in a van and it's not like anything was happening. You, you walked into the gas station that you would pass along the highway and go buy 20 Snickers bars or something. I mean, how did you resupply? How'd this work? Yeah, basically that. I mean, uh, I had a lot of planning done beforehand though, so I don't feel like there was that much thought involved. I knew which grocery stores there were, if there was little gift shops, um, you know, I would either through the internet or even by just calling them beforehand, I would have some idea if they'd have, you know, what they might have I could eat. And then I just kind of had, you know, written myself out a spreadsheet as to how many miles and about how many days I'd need to the next one. And, um, you know, and I, I like junk food, you know, so it, for me, it was a great excuse to, you know, I could just eat anything, you know, if they had donuts, I'd get those, you know, and then a lot of meat sticks and tortillas and bagels and Get going again, you know. <laughs> oh man, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, everyone raves about you know. I lived in I lived in France, and so you know the refuges you can get, you know, cappuccinos and you know good, good like you know home cooked meals and and you know the off the beaten path. But man, the U.S. gas stations, it's like it's can be an acquired taste, but it can be quite satisfying. Yeah, and I speaking of cappuccinos, uh, hot coffee was definitely you know, something I didn't have out on the trail. And uh, when I could get to a place that had some hot coffee, it was a treat. So. <laughs> okay. So what would you do for your daily a glass of kombucha, Pavel? 
<laughs> nothing. <laughs> I uh, I had little Starbucks via packets and then a uh, you know a Tailwind powder or something. That was uh, that was pretty good. Some of that stuff you know tastes like okay. Fanta or something. Well, I, I I just want people to understand you know that this is over one thousand miles and you hiked in between all this just random roads and we had to plot this out. This was maybe sometimes trails, but other than that, you're walking down the paved road for days to get to the next summit sometimes and your only source of supply is that next gas station or grocery store you might come by this is really different this is this is old school in a certain sense of the word and i think that's one of the reasons the voters voted this in is they really appreciated your style i i think you know i had a few stretches of road walking but well and i mean then dirt roads always feel different than paved roads but i think after the first um 10 days. I don't think I had more than maybe like 15 mile stretch on pavement, which was just like to get into Aspen and then like over Monarch Pass. Um, and then I'd have little short ones, but you know, thankfully not too much of it was on pavement after the start. So it definitely helped keep me sane. So. <laughs> I mean, I remember actually a few years ago, we had Joe Grant on here for an FKT where he linked the Colorado 14ers, but by bike, right? So some, so this is like Buzz said, it's more old school and I have a lot of respect for it also with the style, right? We talk about unsupported, supported or self-supported routes. And for you, it was completely unsupported. So this means that, you know, or you're or self-supported, I guess we, we could say that you're, that you're going in and you're getting these, um, your own fuel. And I think it actually makes sense on a route like this, right? Where you're, if you're going to be walking through towns, why would you go completely unsupported? Because you can refuel. <laughs> yeah. You guys just discussed this and I, I had some thoughts about it, which is, uh, you know, I mean, I think I would preface this, which, you know, if I had voted, I think I would have given Timothy also my vote. I, I don't know the results or anything, but that's my, and that's just because, you know, I've done a little bit of the PCT and I just, you know, that is a, an amazing feat, but it is interesting to see how like, you know, after you step away from unsupported, even self-supported becomes kind of this spectrum of like, you know, if I had had an infinite budget, I bet I could have spent half my nights in hotels, you know, or, and I think it's, you know, that's technically self-supported. And then even if you look at like, you know, Timothy Olson, you could say with his support, and he had quite the crew. Well, like, you know, I think Alexander Hamilton, when he just did the Centennials, I mean, I think it was his girlfriend and maybe his sister. And it sounds like, you know, it's just to me, it's like, I think there's a one side of me wants to say it is the logical side, but another part of me does, you know, have quite a bit of respect for kind of the purity of um, trying to not even help yourself as much as possible with, you know, by just cashing food or spending a bunch of money on hotels. So uh, my two cents. <laughs> well, on one hand, it, it's almost easier. You're just going to do it. You're going to do your pace. You're going to do what you need to do. Well, if you have a crew, then it's, there's actually more logistics to, in a certain extent, unless you have a fantastic crew who can just give you your marching orders. So it's a real mix here, isn't it? Yeah. But the, the mental math, I feel like, of you know, it's, you know, if you get hit by a rainstorm, but you know, in 10 miles, there's a fresh change of clothes for you. It's like a much less daunting obstacle than when you know you're going to be living with the decision to keep moving until you get dry again. So, um, so I think, you know, that's something I'm drawn to and I enjoy that challenge. And I think it kind of helps to, uh, you know, make it feel a little, a little more real. I don't know. 
Well, sounds real. So here's a couple detailed questions. Okay. What was like water? What was your longest point without water? And I presume you just brought a lot of filters. I should also ask, what was your filtration system? Because you had to be filtering water. Yeah, so I use that Katahdin B3. Um, and I actually have one on my uh, backpack. I usually carry one like hard water bottle. It's actually the ultimate direction. It's got the little finger loop. And on the other side, I've got the filter with the little squeeze bladder. Um, I like that because uh, usually I'll put powders, you know, on the side with the water bottle. And then, but I can just literally walk along, dunk that filtered bladder into a creek, and then just start drinking out of it. So I feel like it makes it a lot faster. Um, and then I can also basically just walk along and squeeze water into my other chest strap, like that hard water bottle. So I, that's like a system that I've really enjoyed. I did clog my filters a lot more this year. I think I ended up going through four of those Katahdins. Like I had to keep picking up another one, which was pretty frustrating. Um, but, it, you know, I think I had a couple – I also had a two-liter, like, platypus bladder that I think I filled twice. Um, and neither time I filled it that I actually need it. But there was uh, – one day I ran out of water, which was, like, uh, in the Blanca group because I thought I'd get shut down by the weather. So I kind of, like, jokingly started going up this thing called the Gash Ridge, but then I didn't get shut down. <laughs> Suddenly I had, like, you know, a whole lot of time up on the ridges with no water. So. <laughs> Uh, dang yeah dang well there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong in this trip but they went right yeah the funniest thing about that day right. was at the end of the day i finally like beeline for this creek you know like five thousand feet below me and i was so excited to get to this water i literally just like hopped onto this granite boulder and just like plummeted into the water because it was super slippery and i was like man i'm a i gotta focus a little bit here <laughs> so wow wow a lot of things could have gone wrong I mean, that, that's the thing. People sometimes say, well, so-and-so is going for the FKT and something really long. And they say, do you think he'll make it or she will make it? I'll usually say no, <laughs> not because they're not good or talented, just because odds. Yeah. I mean, the length of time and you never sprained an ankle. You, you know what I mean? There's all sorts of things that could have gone wrong. And so you kept it together for over 43 days. Yeah, I did have a couple of. Like I did actually sprain my ankle in the Sawatch, which is why I actually took my Aspen rest day. Um, Cause I'd been limping for like three days at that point. I think it was like a high ankle sprain, they called it. Um, it sucked. It also sucked cause like Aspen was maybe like the most expensive hotel rooms I could have found in the state, you know? So, but I was just like my shoe, the sole of my shoe ended up getting ground kind of funny. Cause I was kind of like half dragging my leg. It was pretty dumb. Um, and then I actually rolled this rock into my thigh on like the second to last day. And I still have a lump in my quad from it. So I think it was kind of dumb, but you know, it was one of those things you're like, ah, just walk it off. It's going to be fine. So <laughs> I know a thing or two about not like bumps in your quad that maybe you'll have it for years. Uh, mine still hasn't gone away for about four and a half years. So we <laughs> uh, left quad. Maybe we can I'm matching. Ah, no, mine's my right. Ah. So. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to ask, like, what was, uh, like, weather, right? Do you have, what was your most interesting or scary, you know, situation with weather? Or did you have any? Uh, so the first couple of weeks was, like, that really bad monsoon season we had this year, like when Glenwood Canyon got closed down for that flooding. And it was uh, pretty demoralizing just because, um, you know, even if you could hike in the morning, with all the vegetation we had from the rain, 
uh, all the plants were wet. So your shoes were basically soaked, like no matter what. I feel like my feet, um, just the blisters really hurt the few, first couple of weeks. Just, I couldn't get my feet dry for what felt like you know 12 days or something. Um, and then I had a couple lightning storms. I think last time I spoke about being at this little park under a covered picnic table for like the six hour, just like ridiculous storm that I knew if I had been up in the mountains, you know, it would have been a bad day. Um, hmm. but you know, overall, I feel like it was pretty great to know that even if weather was coming in to have a shelter on my back, so I could kind of watch the weather and move when I could or, and then try to hunker if I had to. So you had a tarp and I a bivy. I slept in a bivy. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, in a bivy, the being under a picnic table helps. Bivvies are not quite waterproof, but uh, super light, super easy to put up. So good for you. Yeah. And it's such a small footprint, you know, like I felt like sometimes sleeping almost in like scree fields, you can always find, you know, a little like two by six foot flat spot. Well, anything else, you either need to guide it out to something or something. Okay. All right. Well, that's three of those 43 days, three nights in a hotel you wrote, and the rest were in the bivy. That's solid. Yeah, I like my bivy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here's, uh, by the way, you have been on the podcast before, actually, right after you did this. And so in the written show notes, I'll put a link to that so people can track a further conversation with you, which is totally well worth it. And at that time, you mentioned the doctor afterwards you had some recovery he said no alcohol for a month and that's why we were having the conversation so what's the outcome pavel how uh, are you fit as a fiddle now i am not fit as a fiddle but i have my blood work came back to normal um so i think my i think if i had like this weird case of rhabdo where my liver enzymes were actually pretty messed up and um i think maybe six weeks out after i got maybe my third or fourth round of blood work at that point, um, I was given to go ahead to, you know, drink more beer. <laughs> and, and I've just started to try to run again. And I think kind of finding my psyche again. So I, you know, right now I don't think I have any long-term detrimental effects. So. Good. All right. That's well, I have, that, that's very good news. Really happy to hear that. And not super surprised, you know, they did the study. Uh, I forgot who I forgot who did this, but a back east university studied through hikers. They thought these guys are going to be just super fit when they finish their through hike. They actually were not, because the diet is generally speaking poor. Sorry, everyone takes their food very personally. I don't mean to criticize your choices here, but they did do this uh, solid uh, database study with one of the uh, medical students who was also a through hiker, and after the through hike, he was his heart health was not good. Yep. Yep. I think, yeah, we talked about that last time and I meant to actually go look at that study because I mean, I, I always say it's like sample size one, right. And, uh, and if he was really healthy beforehand, well, for me, you know, uh, one of these years I'll have to learn to like eat healthier so I can age better. Or something. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you certainly got it done, Pavel. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're, everyone was really impressed with 300,000 feet of vert. Wow. I was more impressed with the style, but that too. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> 
Right. Just walk. It's like, it's monk-like, isn't it, Hillary? You've just sort of, well, he planned it. He planned the route. So this Pavel has this low-key, you know, super self-deprecating approach. But really, you were smart. You planned this out in advance. You totally know what you were doing. So anyone listening to this, before you think, oh, yeah, this is a piece of cake. I'm going to go out and try it. Just keep, just read between the lines at the amount of planning and thought that went into this trip. And also another reason why I was so impressed is because as a runner, and I feel like as many runners, like we like power hiking because it's an efficient way to move uphill, but it can become a little bit daunting if you're like walking for miles on a gravel road, like in between said mountains. So I think that's just another uh, testament to persistence and maybe your stubbornness, Um, (laughs) but I I think think it's commendable. So (laughs) Maybe I'm just too dumb. (laughs) Boy, there's this reciprocal relationship between getting it done and being modest. Have you ever noticed that, Hillary? The people who who are spraying aren't the people who are really doing the amazing things. There's this amazing reciprocal relationship. And listen to Pavel's talk. It's like, it sounds like he just, you know, said an FKT for going around the block. Right. And I think that reciprocal relationship is correlated to how much I like uh, people. <laughs> okay. Truth comes out. So if you want well, to be more, friends with... The more modest with... they are, the more I like them, just in case you didn't understand. Okay. All right. So uh, keep that in mind, folks. If you want to be friends with Hillary, spraying is not the technique. Pablo, congratulations again. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Wow, that was good. Uh, Hillary, we're off to a fast start here, but we're going to kind of, in a certain sense of the word, slow it down or at least make it. This is a long trip. And Hillary, who is our number four FKT year of the year award winner? Yeah, so we're we're jumping across several ponds for this one. Um, we've got Brooke Thomas here to talk through the number four women's FKT of the year in the Tarawara, New Zealand. Um, this long trail, um, and it was quite it was quite a journey. Um, but we'll get into that. But first, I wanted to welcome Brooke to the show. Hello. Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> Well, Brooke, yeah. is so good. I mean, you're in New Zealand right now, so thank you for taking the time. And the Te Aurora is crosses the country. I mean, the entire country, and there's two islands, of course. So this is a big trip. This trip took 57 days, 12 hours, and 16 minutes. That, that That's quite the – that's our longest FKT of the year this year. So congratulations, and fill us in real quick on the Te Aurora. Yeah, well, so there's actually three islands in New Zealand, but um, at the moment, the official Tearoa Trail only does the North Island and the South Island. And then there's a little tiny dot at the bottom called Stewart Island. Um, and exactly as you said, so it connects. It's a whole lot of trails. We're, we're really lucky here. We've got beautiful trail network throughout our country. Um, so you start at the very top at the lighthouse in Cape Reinga and, um, yeah, make your way all the way down to the Cape, uh, the lighthouse and bluff at the bottom, and it, and as you go, you're in the back country, um, mountain trails through the rivers. There's a section you have to kayak, um, a few sections you have to kayak, but then there's about 150k of river kayaking as well. 
Um, so it's just, yeah, it's an entire adventure. It's awesome. Oh, wow. I mean, so what was it that inspired you to to pick this this route in particular? Because it's quite a commitment. It's, I mean, like, like Buzz said, just under 58 days, but, you know, 57 and a half days, that's a, that's a pretty long, uh, long thing to kind of choose. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> My um, supportive parents would 100% agree with that statement. I think they realized the commitment more than I did before we started. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I guess I've always wanted to, I've always been inspired by people that do things like this. Um, and, you know, when you go and watch film festivals and things, like that's what I get my buzz off. And I thought it would be cool. And I'm such a, I'm so privileged to live here and have this on my back doorstep. And then I met Mina Holder, who had a, a record previously on the same trail. And so becoming friends with her just made the whole thing seem achievable and normal. Um, so, yeah, it sort of started snowballing from there, I guess. Wow. Normal. Hillary, Hillary, the standards have gotten out of control. So uh, two <laughs> months is normal now. But they, you know, these Kiwis, you know, I think they're just a different breed as, than us. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I also, I think it's so cool to see an international, you know, FKT um, on the list and that, you know, people have voted you, you know, amongst the top for the year. Um, and you might think it's just a little humble island in New Zealand or, you know, just a little place. But I mean, I think it's, it's, I think it, I'm speaking from, you know, most people I know, um, you know, it's a place that is on most people's bucket list to go to. So I think it's really cool to be able to share this route. Um, and so it's, it's, it's inspiring to be able to see, um, to see you do it and then to hear you talk about it. It's really cool. So it's making me want to go. Oh, <laughs> to <good. New> Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brooke, you, you, this is the 2021 FKT or the Year Awards, but actually you started this in 2020. <laughs> I did. Too. And finished it in 2021. So it's, it's sort of interesting because obviously it's summer down there right now. So that's, that's kind of different. You, you spanned two years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> so, so you are a registered nurse. You work for a living. So mm -hmm. help us out. How did you get two months out? Wow. Uh, honestly, 2020 was a pretty crazy year in hindsight um, for me. So as I said, I've known that I wanted to do this adventure. So I've kind of worked previously. I had worked right through Christmases and built up my leave. Um, so I hadn't had a proper break for a couple of years um, with, yeah, with the intent of taking a block of time off. Um, and yeah, but I was studying my master's, training for the trail run, trying to plan the logistics, which is by far the hardest part of the trail, um, working full time and trying to coerce my parents into support crewing me. So it was a pretty busy year. <laughs> but so with that, I mean, something I noticed about, obviously it was supported, your attempt, but um, your, your FKT and... I was, I had a question about kind of your mental state, like when you experienced, you know, ups and downs, you had a lot of different people join you along the way, which seemed like a lot of fun. Um, but did you experience kind of more ups or more downs, like when you were by yourself versus, you know, when you had different people to join you in certain sections? Um, to be honest, and it's funny because I, so the pretty much the whole North Island, mostly I did on my own. 
and then I had yeah so I had like two days with some company in the North Island and then the bottom three days and then the South Island I had more company but I think I was probably on my own at least two-thirds of the time overall and then yeah so my parents support crewed me in a camper but because of the nature of the trail there are sections um, where you can't access like there's no road access you might be out in the mountain ranges for five or eight days at a time kind of thing so um, I think I did yeah a couple stints on my own um, carrying all my kit you know sleeping bags um, bivy um, cooker food everything like that for about eight days straight and I had company for half of that and then I was on my own for half I was never uh, it's easy to say this in hindsight but it's true that I really genuinely enjoyed every day and I think partly that's because um, although I did um, you know it, it's a record um, I wasn't absolutely smashing myself. I was still, um, you know, finishing each day, having some sleep. It wasn't, I guess the record wasn't my main drive or my main focus. And so that's why I was able to really enjoy it. Um, the sections on my own, it wasn't so much that I was, my mood wasn't down. It was, I would just be nervous because I was, you know, river crossings on my own. Sometimes I had really bad weather. Um, I slept in a hut for my, on my own for the first time. I'd ever, never done that before. So I was 80K away from the middle, of, you know, from anywhere um, and no one else was there, which turned out to be, you know, all the lows always become the highs in the end, um, the challenges that you go through. Um, but, yeah, so – but 100% I was so grateful for the energy and the fresh, like when people would join me, um, they'd just bring a new, you know, a new spirit to it. So, yeah. <laughs> I, well, it's an interesting, amazing country, of course. We were watching how they handled, you have this incredible female, young female prime minister, which I think some of us are envious of. And you handled the COVID crisis very well. And so it's an amazing country. I think the rest of the Western world kind of thinks I'd like to retire to New Zealand sometime. <laughs> and you did traverse the whole country. And the two islands are very different. As you know, when you're up at Cape Reina, it's in the tropics. I mean, mm. it's, it's really different. But then by the time you get down to the South Island, which is where your hometown is, Queenston on the s West Coast, wow, the Southern Alps are for real. You know, Mount Cook, this is year-round snow. Yeah. And so you had very different terrain. And like you said, by the time you got down in the South Island, you had eight days where you were just basically doing it uh, unsupported. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. Uh, the first two days, um, like from Cape Reinga, you, you're running along 90-mile beach. So it was 70K, two 70K days with no shade <laughs> whatsoever. It was boiling hot and it was, yeah, a great introduction to, like, the heat of the North Island. Um, and then down in the south – exactly as you say the there was some really terrible storms and my family were really worried about hypothermia and they didn't want to let me go out on my own and it was yeah there was lots of drama to <laughs> to contend with but we got there and it all made for a better story in the end <clears throat> <laughs> oh, okay. I, love that. I mean one uh, thing i did notice like i i i just was reading your your trip report and I just love, and I think we kind of get the, the gist of it from just hearing you speak, but 
I'm just going to quote you awkwardly, <laughs> but you said this journey has, has without a doubt been the most challenging, but most compelling, completely re- rewarding mission I have undertaken in life thus far. Um, and I love that because I feel like these, especially these long trails, um, multi-day, <laughs> extreme multi-day efforts, they take a lot out of you mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, but they also kind of feed you in that way. Um, so I'm curious um, if you still believe that and if you're kind of craving for something like this again. Oh, wow. Um, so I just had the honor of running the last section of um I think I've mentioned Emma Timmis, who's just run the length of the country, but on the road. Um, And she's just set a new record for females. And so I ran with her, her last 70 Ks of her last day on Friday. And running with her, I was definitely reminded of, uh, I love an adventure, which is why I chose the trail, but I also love a challenge. (laughs) And so, yeah, I think there might be something else brewing. but I'm not sure what that is yet. So I, I've obviously stayed local since doing it um, by force. And I'm doing a 100-mile race uh, next week, which will be um, a totally different – it's going around in circles, 10K circles. So um, that's going to be a totally different type of challenge. But, yeah, I guess uh, like my main drive is um, feeling privileged for my own health, um, for ability, for – um, being yeah, being in a country where you can do things or having an opportunity to do to live life like this, and so if you've got the chances, then yeah, I guess my ethos is you've got to take like you've got to make the most of what you you've got in life. So yeah, very good. I think we can all appreciate that. Here's a technical question: You mentioned 150 kilometers of river kayaking. <laughs> New Zealand's interesting like that. You have used to be the seven great walks or tracks. Now I think it's up to nine, but like one of them is the Wanganui River. And so you kind of count water, you kind of mix it in. So it's sort of the same thing. And so that's where support really makes a difference because you're not going to haul your boat from start to finish. So your parents would come to a, a river crossing or a river section with a kayak. And then obviously they'd pick you up at the end so you'd get back on foot. So how did that work? Were you an experienced kayaker or or what kind of boat did you use? Yeah, it's ironic that you say support is essential. So the night before, like I say, my year leading up to this adventure was really chaotic. And so obviously I tried to do my best with researching what I was in for, maps, you know, planning everything. But with every single day, I could, like, you know, a 57-day or I'd planned it on being a 60-day adventure, you can't possibly retain all the information for each day, right? So with the Wanganui section, I knew that I had to kayak it. I hadn't really looked into it any further. And the night before, I we were um, at a campground and some other people had said to me that they were also kayaking the next day and they just flippantly mentioned, are you going to be wearing a helmet? which I had not realized there were rapids on this river. And as it turns out, I was very lucky with weather, so the rapids were very minor. But the terror that set in, I was like, oh, my goodness. So I had to run 50K down to the river to begin with, to then hop in my boat, which had been stashed on the side of the river. And I'd never even pulled a like um, a skirt on before, you know, like a dry skirt. Um, get in the boat and figure out how to navigate these um, rapids. 
and I was kayaking I think 35k that night and then the next day we did 90k or I'm not sure exactly on the stats but yeah so um somebody did stash the boat for me it was actually George Henderson who has the male record um and my parents uh were there but when I said to my dad that I was nervous he was like well you're the one that signed up for this and we're here for you so as far as I'm concerned you've got a job to do (laughs) go and do it (laughs) so yeah there wasn't much time for feeling sorry for myself really (laughs) wow okay the kiwi attitude (laughs) Uh, I've been there Three times I've actually stand up paddleboarded the Wanganui River, but that's that's how it goes down. The first time I went, you're looking out at you know, some insane rapids, or you know, bungee, bungee jumping was invented in New Zealand, of course, things like that. And you ask a question, and in the states, you you're always getting talked out of it, right, Hillary? If you're at a national park, someone said, "No, you can't do this. You can't do that. You shouldn't do this. Don't do that." Not in New Zealand. You ask them, they say. No worries. Off you go, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that's got to be the best accent I've heard yet. (laughs) Well, Well, I haven't been, so I've just got to trust you. But just I think I think Brooke Boz loves a multi-sport adventure, especially things that involve water crossing. So (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Brooke, you you traverse the entire country. So an obvious last question for you is, and this is a tough question, but I have to ask any, what is the highlight? What would, what do you want to tell people about New Zealand? You just traverse the entire country. I'm sure when you ask people this question, it's almost impossible for anyone to answer one thing in any FKT attempt. And then mine was almost two months long, um, picking one highlight. Um, I think scenery-wise, there's a section um, just outside of Nelson, so it's the top of the South Island, called the YR Pass, which is just absolutely stunning and completely untouched scenery. And I was in there on my own, and it was quite challenging terrain. So I was I had the added bonus of the adrenaline running um, to just make the whole thing feel absolutely yeah amazing. But in terms of um, highlights of the whole trip, um, it would have to be, um, oh, I have just so many things to say, but yeah, privileged to be there. Um, the support, which I'm sure is probably a common theme, other people that, uh, you know, come out of the woodworks and want to be part of it or help you out or help your support crew out. Cause I think their job is, I mean, all I had to do was run and go and have a, a play day each day. Mum and dad were dealing with all the, the drama, um, you know, trying to organize everything in the camper and they would, they drove double the distance that I ran because I would take the direct line. They would go in and out. Um, yeah. And um, so the other thing for this mission was that I had some, so I did it as a fundraising event um, to fundraise for heart kids because I have a heart condition myself. Um, and then my dad also was really unwell during it. And so just being able to, patch all of those things together and still be able to make it work and turn them into motivators. Um, yeah, that was probably the high of, of our trip. So, yeah. So whoever wow. comes next and, you know, and, and beats the record 
that's great and I'm excited to see it and it doesn't ever take away from my journey because it was there were so many other elements to um yeah to our trip which is a, a cool way to feel very very well put Brooke thank you <laughs> Yeah, and thank you so much. I think that's that's all our questions. I can't think of a better way to end this. So thank you so much for taking the time and congratulations on earning and being voted by the community, um, you know, here and abroad, uh, the number four female FKT of the year. That's I've only just heard that, and that's yeah, such an honor, such a humble little you know adventure just out the back door with mum and dad. So <laughs> to be able to yeah to have. Um, hit that spot is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Who do we have last on today's podcast? Well, we have someone who's frequented the FKT of the year. Um, so we've got Joe String Bean <laughs> McConaughey uh, this year for the Arizona Trail uh, FKT. So thanks, Joe, for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> And Joe, congratulations. You, the voters voted you the number four male Woo! FKT of the year. So congratulations. Thank you very much. That's awesome. <laughs> good yeah. to be back. It's good to be back. And by the way, you have, we're going to, in the written show notes, I'll list our previous podcast with you and what you've been awarded for in the past. But for this time, it's the Arizona Trail, which you did supported in 13 days. Oh my gosh. Three hours and 21 minutes. And so why don't you just tell us what, give us the short on the Arizona trail. Uh, first it's probably the, the, what would be the best, the most bang for your buck long trail I've been on, meaning it has everything from 9,000 foot high elevation, like Alpine, beautiful, you know, pinewood forests to, endless sprawling saguaro cactuses to the grand canyons like pretty cool i guess um it just says anything and everything you could ask for right like you you just i'm there's on like day three or day four i think i did like 17k of vert um and that's going up you know from three thousand to nine thousand feet two times in about like 40 miles right so there's some huge ups and downs and what a lot of people call sky mountains uh but then there's also just this awesome sprawling super runnable desert terrain so it's just this epic 800 mile trail that uh for a lot of through hikers is the kind of next trail right uh it's 800 miles so it's a little bit more approachable from a distance perspective than something like the at or pct and the fkt uh it's only it's a it's a more recent trail so the fkts on it also have been more recent but there's also been a lot of them um so it's just this very awesome super well-run trail um that gives you just so many things you know you think arizona you think desert but it really has uh pretty much any and any ecosystem you can imagine in the u.s well speaking of you know you think it's desert and you think it's just maybe simple um you know ecosystem wise maybe just you know very arid um cacti you know i think of all that but you had a bit of uh, a hard moment um <laughs> i would say or moments um attempting this fkt um, with snow. And this is something that really stuck out for me for and how incredible this FKT um, that you ended up getting was. But can you walk us through what happened um, kind of from a condition? Standpoint? <laughs> well, thank you, Hillary. I probably, uh, 
I, I actually, I might be the only person that I can think of that's made a top FKT list who, who quit, uh, who legitimately, <laughs> who legitimately, everybody at some point quits, but who legitimately quit and got off trail. Um, so that's kind of fun. But uh, yeah, we got totally duped where um, the big issue was it was like April, late March and north of the Grand Canyon, you're on this place called the Kaibab Plateau that's at 9,000 feet for 30, 40 miles. And we were monitoring snow conditions, but there's no snow tell monitors, which is what you use to give, get accurate snow forecasts. So all the snow forecasts that we were seeing was that the storm that had come through a week before all the snow had melted off. Um, and so you have to go through the Grand Canyon and then you have about a hundred, like 80 or a hundred miles left to finish. And, um, and, uh, we ended up coming on like one to four feet of snow, probably three feet of snow, four would be exaggerating one to three feet of snow. Um, that was totally rotten. So the top layer was crusty, but you always broke through it. So it, it involved about 30, 35 miles of, um, of plowing through snow that was up to your shins or up to your thighs. And uh, after about seven miles, it was late at night. And I was with Wit, who was a previous self-supported FKT holder, El Matador. And we decided it was just unsafe to, uh, to be out here. And then I tried to go back with snowshoes. And then I just made the decision for my crew. I was like, hey, guys, like this, this is unsafe for me. It might endanger your lives. And like, I just, it just doesn't make sense to push through another 25 miles of snow like this. Well, so wow. then what made you keep going? Because you obviously, you obviously did. <laughs> I, a, little bit of, a little bit of sleep makes you a lot less cranky. <laughs> but I was so, what's so funny is like, you know, the way I described like the, the like multi-day running mindset that this thing becomes very black and white. Like a lot of people, you know, kind of talk about, oh, well, you know, how, how do you know what to do? How do you stay mentally engaged? For me, it's always been like a kind of black and white, this is right and that's wrong. And, and at that point, I very much told myself it's right to quit and it's wrong to keep going. And then I slept in a hotel. And then the next morning, I slept eight hours. I was doing this like research study. I like threw away the, the monitor and like I stopped collecting urine samples and I like fully disengaged and everybody in my crew came up to me. So I had, I had Jack, Katie, my partner, uh, Dills, um, Wit, uh, my mom even come up and be like, Joe, I'm so sorry you, you know, we're done. Like, it was so amazing. Like, you're sure, you're sure you want to quit, right? And I was like, yes, I'm sure. After like the fourth person, you know, I was like, well, if they, if they really think we can do this, then, you know, why, why should I be the one quitting on them? Because they're taking the same amount of time and have given, you know, they're also sleep deprived and stressed out and all this stuff. So we decided to just go back after it. And I had Michaela Osler. Um, she set the long trail FKT earlier this year and wit, and we just, they helped plow through snow for, I think it was like 16 miles till the next road crossing. Um, and then, you know, after, after that eight hours of sleep, I had like a continuous, like 30 ish hour push, maybe 26 hour push for the finish. Um, and then, yeah, it was all said and done. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess the science is correct. Sleep is good. <laughs> Hot take buzz. I think you're right. Oh, <laughs> well, this I got to follow up on this one because you beat this time just massively. You were two days, 19 hours, almost three days faster than the previous supported having quit and then resume. So that means you were on track for way under three days, I presume. Yeah, we lost, uh, I mean, it depends on, so, so my moving pace slowed from about 
like five miles an hour to about one and a half miles an hour in the snow. Um, like between that and the, uh, and like the extra sleep, I mean, that's about like a half day to a day worth of, of time. Um, when I hit the Grand Canyon, I was planning on going straight all the way through the Grand Canyon. Um, so yeah, I was pacing really well. I, I'd had this, my, the, my general trajectory went, you know, I always start off in these things slow. I don't want to kill myself out from the get go. So I did like um, 50, I, I did a little more than I wanted to, but I still did 55 mile days for the first two days. And then I cranked on the gas because there were a few logistical considerations where I did, I think like a 72 mile day that I referenced with 70K, 17K of vert, and then like a 78 mile day with like 10K of vert. And um, that got me in like a under four hours of sleep routine schedule and, uh, and kind of beat me up. So I also had some, some like foot issues going halfway through. So I really cranked from day three to about day eight or day nine. And then I started to struggle a little bit from like a foot perspective. There was a little bit of quite a bit of snow around Flagstaff. Um, but then, you know, I kind of was eyeing the finish. But yeah, I, I, I sort of petered off a little where I was, you know, on averaging around like 70 miles from through day seven. And then I'd probably gotten to around like 65 miles through to the, to the Grand Canyon. And then I think I averaged overall around 60 per day um, for the entire entire gig well in my opinion that's a lot <laughs> that's <awesome. laughs> yeah, in my opinion too um but i did i did have a question so two questions so then a are you motivated to go back and try to like do the get even more time off the off this fkt since you were so much ahead of it and you kind of had the the ability to you know to to rest and kind of I guess really quit and then restart it again. <laughs> yeah, if I were to go again, I would go in October or the fall at least. So you're missing out on the snow. You have like water issues. If I were to do the Arizona trail again, I think I'd want to do it self-supported to uh, kind of go back in a different style and just do it in a different way kind of for myself. Um, although having a crew is so much fun. <laughs> it's just like you're with this huge party of people. Some of the guys in my support crew were with me you know, on the PCT in 2014. And, you know, everybody on that team is, you know, like friend, friends and family to me. So it's really fun doing something like that. Um, so it's kind of hard not to want to do support it again, if I were to do it, but also I have other projects that I'm like, I have too many projects that I'm like, you know, I want to do this before I do that. So before I double up on the Arizona trail, I'll probably go in a different direction, but at some point it would be amazing. I like even just through hiking the Arizona trail. It's so beautiful. It's so cool. I'm kind of jealous of Whit. He's, he's done it three total times. Uh, and that was his fourth time on the Arizona trail, which is just really cool to see him go through that experience. You had the all-star crew. Congratulations. I, yeah, I kind of cheated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate your comment about when to do it because strategy. I mean, a race, as we've discussed many times, you show up here at this time, this place, do this exact thing. But in FKT, tactics are part of it. So you almost can't cheat. You want to be smart. And so the date you choose to go and watching your weather conditions are part of the FKT process. Yep. And I got burned. Dang it. <laughs> or I got iced, one of the two. Oh, I think yeah. that's it. <laughs> right. Well, here's uh, here's my follow-up question. You also were doing a fundraiser 
for two Native American groups. So how did that work out? I'm, I'm just going to put this out there. Sometimes the you know benefit races I'm a little sketched on, like how much money is really getting transferred and so forth. So can you give us an honest assessment of how this worked out? Yeah. So we raised money for two different organizations. One is the Native American Rights Fund. Um, the other one is Chis for Che. The Native American Rights Fund is a um, organization that provides like legal services. Um, they've been involved in a bunch of different uh, major projects over the years, like the Keystone Pipeline. Um, they've been involved in Bear Ears. So they're kind of helping provide the legal uh, backbone to a lot of these important indigenous causes. And obviously, legal fees are not cheap. Um so, uh, and they, they've had like a really long history of, of kind of, I guess, I don't know if you call it activism, but involvement in, in cases. So working with them felt like just a really awesome, you know, kind of bigger picture and, and kind of nuanced organization to partner with, um, that really would make a substantial impact. And then just for Che is the other organization, and they're much more local, much more grassroots. They've been in operations for nine years. They're uh, involved specifically in Navajo, like Navajo Nation, um, which is like Arizona, New Mexico, Utah. Um, and their main uh, their main function is to try to provide services for elders. So they the biggest one is they gather and collect a lot of firewood for for elders who live in sort of like remote locations and spaces. Um, they, uh, are really, really, I mean, the people who, who work at that organization live, you know, on Navajo land. And, you know, when I talked with Lauren, who's their founder, he was, it was very hard to get a hold of him because he was driving from site to site of doing firewood collections and drop-offs. And, uh, you know, they were trying at the time they were trying to raise money for a new, um, truck so that they could haul more firewood. Wow. Joe, you're extremely familiar. So obviously you've done your homework, but if I can so did they receive some funding through your yeah totally okay so they en they ended up getting uh i don't remember the exact number at this point but I, it was around like 25k um split evenly oh. between the two organizations which is really okay cool. that's totally yeah. legit excellent work excellent work. <laughs> i love to see that but i actually kind of like to do the accountability part and make sure oh it's so funds are actually yeah. yeah okay well it's just it's a tough world yeah because you know i've done I've helped raise money for a few different organizations over time. And um, I think one thing you learn is, is, you know, if the right people are in the right place, uh, you know, it's, it's getting spent in the right way. But, but truthfully that, you know, you give somebody money that you believe they'll do the right thing with. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely in the, in the person who's organizing the fundraiser's responsibility to spend a lot of time making sure they're vetting that organization or are personally connected to that organization. Okay. Well, my I want to make a note that we are going to put in the written show notes your previous podcast where you talked about the Arizona Trail and your previous FKTs of the year. And my last question is you also do a little bit of coaching and you also work with Andrew Skirka Adventures. So is there some like little never quit, never give up platitude you'd like to offer some, you know, a sappy little quote about not oh, giving man. up or, or do you just want to say, yeah, who knows what's going to happen? I don't got this. I mean, so what, what, what one liner would you like to close with here, Joe? Yeah. Uh, I'm not as much, I wish I could be Ted Lasso because <laughs> right. like, sometimes I'm like, I should just steal Ted Lasso's quotes and then I'll sound 
brilliant. Um, I, I could, right? I have the game plan right in front of me. I'm just not executing on it. No, I would just say, you know, I, I love, like I've been doing FKTs for a long time. And I think it's just such a, whether you're doing it supported, self-supported, unsupported, it's just like a really beautiful personal experience between you and whatever trail you're doing. Um, and I think especially with COVID in the last year, like, you know, one of the things I've learned is like, yeah, you can be a trail runner and not do a lot of ultras and have an amazing experience that, that matters to you. So, you know, my, my platitude would be, you know, seek out the adventures that matter to you, uh, even if they may not be a conventional style. Wow. I say that's pretty, I don't think you need Ted Lasso quotes. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> But thanks once again, Joe. I mean, congratulations for for being voted number four FKT of the year. Um, I hope we see you again. And I'm pretty sure we will just because you like to do these things. Um, Yeah. And congrats on your most recent win. Uh, Well, sorry, the third place. uh, Third place. Because it's like, it's a a race. It feels like we're not doing these (laughs) very much. uh, Only eight hours. So. Right. It was a short one for you. But. Yeah, thanks but thank for- you. Thank you too for having me on too. It's always always fun getting us all together. <laughs> Congratulations, Joe. Thank you so much. Well, Hillary, this is uh what a podcast this has been. I mean, we heard <laughs> we heard from Addie and Corey on the rim to rim to rim. We heard from Powell on the 14ers, you know, hiking to all the 14ers, and we heard from Brooke Thomas on um, the Te Aurora, you know, going across the entire country of New Zealand. And now Joe, who just went across the entire state of Arizona. What do you think, Hillary? We're partway through our FKT of the Year podcast sequence. What do you, what are you thinking? I just like how my, one of my favorite parts of the FKT of the Year is I feel like I get to kind of visit some of the pla- familiar places around the U.S., even in Europe. Um, and kind of see what people are getting into. I just really like the diversity um, from length and kind of style that all the FKTs that we've seen so far and those that we have <laughs> to coming up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think it's really cool, especially since we've opened it up um, to across the pond, that we're seeing some some cool routes out there. And hopefully it's inspiring more people to, you know, to get out there and, and set their own FKT. Well, that's a good point. I mean, it's uh, going worldwide. It's more exciting. It's more interesting. But for the voters, it was way harder. I mean, we have a lot of voter comments where they're going, oh, my gosh, this was tough. I wasn't sure what to do. And so it's uh, I I sympathize. So it's a good bad. You know, it's a it's a problem, but it's not a problem. And uh like you said, it's around the world. And of course, next week we're coming back with the number two and number three winners. And finally, on January 28th, we release the two number ones. And a quick hint we're going to stay international, aren't we? Yes, we are. I'm excited to announce it. And I think maybe some of those comments that we that we that that you were reading were a lot of mine saying this is so hard. I don't know what to <laughs> vote for. <laughs> right. Well, and and um okay, here we're gonna go a little personal here. I personally I gotta divulge this. My personal votes weren't exactly the same as the majority. Were yours, Hillary? Can I say this? 
Um, no, they were not. So, I mean, so, there of course, there was some overlap, but I would, I think this is the first uh, FKT of the year where I felt that the votes that I, I put in, the results uh, are very different than, than how I voted. <laughs> Which doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you know it's that the winners aren't deserving and you know how the votes kind of played out. It's democracy in action. It's great, um, but it's really cool to see other people and how they emphasize things differently. So I think, although it's different, maybe it's uh, I think it's it's valid. It's equally valid. Exactly. Thank you. That's how I feel as well. I I was a uh, my slate didn't win, but that's how it goes. I mean, that's a democracy. It's a big tent. The community voted is a very, very fair process. And so um, we had overlap, but a little bit different. And here's something I'm going to note from our first four, our fours and fives. <laughs> the total time of these four FKTs was 114 days, six hours and 32 minutes. So, for, <laughs> so fortunately, it didn't take uh, us long to, uh, we didn't spend that amount of time on the podcast. Yeah, a good thing that makes me tired just thinking about it. <laughs> 114 days was, uh, that's, uh, yeah, people, people are getting after it. Joe got after it. Uh, everybody got after it. You and I, man, we're out here doing our two-hour runs. Yeah. Nope. Uh, yeah, it's safe to say that some of these some of these FKTs that we've seen so far, man, they're they're very devoted and they're they're bringing it up to another level of uh, of commitment for the day in and day out. Well, next week we'll be back with the number twos and the number threes. Hillary and I will have fun conversations, and so stay tuned. Check out the results. We're going to take three weeks to reveal them all. And gosh, make sure you read about it because, for example, Joe has a video out. A lot of these people have written great trip reports that we can't cover on the podcast. So please click through and see what everybody has been doing. Thanks, Hillary. Thanks, Buzz. <laughs>